Hello everyone. Welcome to a very special year end episode of the Contramind Super CMO podcast. The Contramind Super CMO podcast was launched in Jan 2023 this year and we have had a phenomenal lineup of guests who shared their thoughts on how the world of marketing is changing and transforming. In this episode, we have tried to capture key highlights, thoughts and ideas that our esteemed guests have shared with us during the course of this year. We had Mark D. Swan, founder Institute of Real Growth, who talked to me about humanized growth for brands and the Da Vinci CMO model. Professor Tanvi Gupta had a conversation with me on semiotics and the importance of semiotics in marketing. In my chat with Professor Venki Shankar, we spoke about marketing accountability and how accountability is going to be a key metric for marketers in the future. In my conversation with Professor Peter Feder, the legendary professor from Wharton School, he spoke about customer base audit, customer lifetime value, customer valuation, brand valuation, and how the importance of math in marketing will become more and more important. I spoke to David Freden, who spoke to me about product management and design and the importance of frameworks in building great products. I had a conversation with Amit Tiwari, Global Demand Center Head of TCS, who spoke to me about the importance of CMOs looking at business metrics if they were to get a seat on the table with the CEOs. Sukumar Muttaya spoke to me about the imperative for technology marketers and how the need for technology marketers will become more and more important as the days go by. Finally, I had a fantastic chat with Srikant Ramachandran, CEO of Moving Walls, who talked to me about the digital out-of-home platform where the idea of getting data, content and metrics would change the face of media in the future. To listen to all these episodes, you can log on to www.contraminds.com or Apple or Spotify podcast and listen to these episodes. Do share your feedback and thoughts and share your comments with us. I wish you a very very happy 2024 and I look forward to interacting with you in the future. You need to earn your place at the table first before you can do anything that starts to feel like influencing the decision making process. If you're not at the table, you can't influence. So what does that take? And it really goes beyond marketing. It is a Da Vinci growth leader. What we see is that this is a leader that brings everything together that Da Vinci brought. Now everyone I think knows about Da Vinci that he was an artist and a scientist. That's what 99% of people will tell you made him special. And so he was whole brains because he brought together not only the creativity to break through and go to places where no one else had gone before, which of course is the seed of the innovation of new market developments. At the same time, he was a scientist, a mathematician. He was commercial. He literally could do the math, which so many marketers are not able to bring together. But that third aspect, left brain, right brain, was empathy, was humanism, was heart, 
That's how companies used to be. When Unilever set up in the north of England during the Industrial Revolution, it was worse there than some of the most, you know, terrible places in Africa, in India, in China, where, you know, there was no healthcare. I'm talking obviously decades ago, but in some places in the world, this is still true. And so what they did was they built a company because when you started a company, you built a factory. You were going to be there for 75 years. Those bricks, they stand, they last. You're drinking the water that your employees drink. You go to the same church, you meet the people, you take care of them. And so there were schools, there was health facilities, there were play and children care facilities, there were sports fields. GE, after the war, was advertising how much it paid people and how it shared the wealth before you know, Jack Welch took over and uh, took it in a very different direction. This is how companies used to be part of society. So all we're predicating is to go back to that. And the leader that understands that, of course, has to be creative and has to be commercial, but also has to be empathetic. And that's what we call the Da Vinci quality. Marketing is a cost center. And I firmly believe marketing is not a cost center because marketing decides in terms and the way things are moving. I'll, I'll just uh, for 30 seconds, I'll digress in terms of why do I say so. See, life of consumer, life of customer and life of marketers. These three have been hugely impacted in the last two years of COVID. What you used to do, what we used to think and what we used to act before was very, very different from what we do today. People use a word called BC, which is before Christ. No, it is not before Christ, before COVID. The, the first and most, you have to be an agile marketer. And that's the first learning that, that COVID in last two years. You can't be making a plan for two years and then you know that this two, two year plan is just a theoretical exercise and it will not be got implemented. You have to be always on the toes and you should have that flexibility to move the way the consumer and the macroeconomic situation move interdependently. That, that is very important today. You just can't have a silo working within marketing or outside marketing within the organization that that's most important last but not the least which actually gives you a right matrix or light conversation to drive it within the leadership or the management is accountability is marketing keeping the hand to the heart can take that particular accountability saying hey yes this is the objective i am ready to take this particular accountability of what i need to deliver please don't caveat marketing only in terms of this is the financial roi and please deliver that let marketing present their own particular matrix that you want to, and measure the matrix get in, which is relevant for marketing. Three T's which is trust, transparency and technology. The trust within the organization, within the marketing team that we have to collaboratively, interdependently deliver. Transparency with your particular customer because customer is 500 steps ahead that you actually think. But because what most of the marketers does to fail to understand and accept that customer is much more smart. Customers know much more thing. And the most important to connect these particular thing is technology. Marketing will only get a seat when you actually stand up and say, this is what I'm accountable for. And please measure me. This is what for, for which I'm accountable. Rather just just one particular size, which actually is trying to measure everything on the entire uh, table. Marketing should raise the hand first and say, hey, please measure me on these point parameters. I am ready to get measured. If this is the objective, I'm ready to contribute. And that is what I really want to measure in the entire uh, proposition that you're actually trying to do. And that will actually show an impact on business. And that will actually show impact on brand. If you measure the right measurement that you need to bring forward. So when it comes to semiotics, so what I shared so far was more social semiotics. 
there's another substream of semiotics called visual semiotics mm-hmm. where you look at specific things like color mm-hmm. shape font layout so all the visual design uh, features of anything is dismantled and looked at uh, uh, the effects of each design are uh, looked at what it means i mean i'm aware that a lot of qualitative uh, research happens in that space where they do a walk through where the uh, user is using it and then they kind of discuss and understand the yeah entire experience for example color psychology mm. so color generally we say red and blue but actually color has three properties right uh, hue saturation lightness like my thesis was about what empty space means mm, in mm. cultures in a design so cluttered versus spaced out design mm. high versus low saturation color so these are more as in it's a more mechanical way of looking at uh, things but visual semiotics is does that like you break it into specific uh, design features not just visual it also includes sound symbolism Some folks might be familiar with the old TV series Mad Men. Uh when we when it was all about the product, it was all about the message. Uh there was very we didn't have the electron microscope of the customer. And so marketing was all about uh, branding and imagery and really that was it was great. That's what really made marketing a powerful force. But unfortunately, uh, to a large extent, we're still using the same kinds of practices. as we were using back then it's just you know old habits die hard uh and it's been hard for a lot of the the data stuff to kind of find its way into marketing so number 1 is is tradition and i guess related to that number 2 would be organizational structure that there's kind of nobody in the organization is going to take responsibility for that electron microscope of the customer the marketing people might but even for them it's often going to take a back seat to branding and customer experience and 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 all that sort of stuff. So so the idea of of customers being assets just doesn't really show up anywhere to the extent the conversation comes up at all it's dismissed as some kind of intangible asset and and you can't really measure it or manage it. So we would never put customer information uh on let's say our uh, on our on our 10 Qs and other <clears throat> auditable statements. So I think that that's a a, a big uh, issue right there. So a variety of different reasons uh why it's been hard to get the customer data to break through. And that's the mission that I'm on is to try to convince people that internally it can help us drive and call attention to more effective decisions and externally it's a better way to 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 gauge what this company is doing um what its future looks like and what it's actually worth customer based corporate valuation just to give you a little bit of back story the company i'm working for is ansira um we are actually a 100 year old company you know started in 1919 um primarily you know when the company was started it was all about you know the advertisements were placed in the newspapers and then later on they improvised on that and said hey you know i'm going to go to the competition and say if an automotive company is placing an ad i'm going to the competition and say hey your competition is actually placing this ad what are you doing about it right so then it started improvising its mass communication right so it started with that and then they started talking about no i don't think this one size really fits all right so we need to figure out 
you know what is really applicable to specific set of audience it started with database marketing so let's collect all this you know information about people who are interested in my product or you know then you know people who called people who uh, went to the store and bought some things where we are today i mean just to make the long story short here from mass communication to the communication of one right so a segment of one so every individual has to be communicated to exactly the needs of you know what they are looking for at the right timing right so if you look at uh, you know a tiktok ad today you know tiktok will show a particular product or or a, you know a dress or whatever it is you know in the in that short video but at the same time there is a a phone icon so there's a call in number and then there is a you know email icon so you can immediately hey i like this dress so you can immediately call and place an order for that right so that's how it has become so personalized to the core right so that's uh, you know the the trend we are seeing is it's just technology is just proliferating and supporting uh, varieties of thinking uh, in terms of you know personalizing to the core I walked past a bank the other day and they have two digital screens one located uh, facing outside the bank using the uh, glass door that they have and the other one was inside the bank and both of them were running the same content so I just stood by and I counted the number of content pieces running and it was about 16 pieces of content so I called the CMO who happened you know whom I happened to know and I said listen you run 16 pieces of content on what I would call as a walk past audience and a sit down audience you're running the same promo in every branch what if you brought one small location awareness which said the coffee outlet is in the third floor of this building right now suddenly you're changing the game in terms of the experiential content which is instinctively what they do on a website if you hit the website from goa they would give you a slightly different piece of content whereas if you hit it from delhi they would give you a different piece of content but they've not brought that thinking into their own media So I think there is first party data owned media and eventually then you'll start looking at it as an opportunity. Marriott wanted to be uh in, in back in early 2000s uh in the internet was really expanding. They were not yet online and uh companies like Travelocity um Expedia were already there, right? They were booking travel and so on. So they were going to um Marriott and say, "Hey, so many travelers are coming to our site and they're booking your hotels through us, so you need to pay us uh, uh the commission that you pay to a travel agent, right?" And all of a sudden, you know, this if you're the CEO of uh, uh Marriott, you're shocked and says, "Hey, uh why should I pay you, right? Because I don't even have a agreement with you. You're not my distributor, you're not my travel agency and so on." and initial fear the the ceo of marriott was fearing that once people go online they can actually switch uh in a jiffy because you know it just needs a click to go from marriott to hilton or hyatt and so on once they find a lower price so it will become a flea market right people will start going back and then their satisfaction will be lowered and they will not be loyal anymore and so on so we were also apprehensive we might get some findings that are not very pleasant for the uh companies right but to our surprise what we found was people who actually started to use online to choose at that time mostly desktop and laptop now increasingly mobile they tended to become 
they are more satisfied of the experience if if their booking experience was you know frictionless and uh, flawless in terms of no errors and so on and then post satisfaction you know they have to stay at the hotel the service matters there and then they are more loyal consequently and we were scratching our heads and said how is it possible right here's a ceo who believes that you know it could be devastating for the price sensitivity loyalty and we also found that they're less price sensitive and if the experience is frictionless and flawless they tend to like it and then it becomes a sticky experience right now i can repeat this uh, mm. i can you know do a reorder and so on and at the same time online uh, allowed hotels and uh, to really showcase the property right before that you know you could call it under number of hilton hyatt um, and marriott and just you know go on on the brand reputation alone you won't know how the property looks and so on now you can showcase that time and marriott could come up with 3d uh, views of that which we are very familiar with the used to now right we also find some segments are want to be primarily online primarily offline some of them balanced uh, mm. and and so we have to engage with them differently if you're a service provider or a retailer uh, we have to understand their needs better and try to uh, satisfy them and delight them in these different channels and that's really the a lesson for um marketers so i think you touched upon something very interesting which is the notion of experience uh so as a product manager how should you be thinking about product experience or what encapsulates product experience well it starts with your out of box experience uh, turning the thing on being able to do something useful with it quickly as opposed to uh I keep, hate to keep beating on Microsoft but I enjoy it um uh, turning on you know uh, a Microsoft Office uh, product and it says uh by the way you're on a deadline and you're going to get fired if you don't get that spreadsheet to your boss in 30 minutes it makes Microsoft out of its sheer um um I don't know what you call it uh, hatred for the customer requires you to update the software before you could do any real work rather than saying hey would you like to do it now or do it later uh and you know as apple does that when you get a operating system update it asks you do you want to do it now or do you want to do it tonight when you're hopefully you're sleeping uh so that lack of consideration of what the uh, uh customer wants to do uh, i'll give you another example uh back in 2018 i went to singapore uh to give a speech at a product management uh, festival and then cisco who's my number one client worldwide asked me to come to bangalore and train about 20 25 product managers so i needed uh to get to bangalore from um uh, singapore well that sounds pretty simple but there's a lot of decisions that have to be made uh what where what mode of transportation do i want to use from the Singapore hotel to the airport because in Singapore you can take a taxi you can take an Uber you can take a uh, shuttle you can take the train uh, I figured all that out got to the airport walked into the terminal if you ever been to the Singapore airport is slightly larger than Manhattan and uh, you, you have no idea where to go and you're looking at the signs and they got arrows pointing all over the place uh, reminded me of Heathrow of a, about 10 years ago 
my phone has an app on it called TripIt, and it knew at what time I needed to you know, get to the airport and what flight I need to get on and what airline. My phone also has GPS. My phone knew where I was at and knows from the maps uh, inside the airport of which counter to go to. Why couldn't my phone wake up and just have a little arrow that says go over here? Uh, and I'll take you, you know, five minutes to walk there or whatever it may be. So I mentioned that when I uh, gave a talk at Samsung. So the v VP of product management says, wouldn't someone feel kind of weird uh, if their phone woke up and all of a starting sudden giving them directions? I said, no, not if the phone asked permission first, which is a notion that uh, Samsung and uh, uh, Microsoft for years don't know. If you ask permission, it's perfectly okay uh, for Siri to tell you where to go. Uh, sometimes some products I get, I wonder if the, uh, you know, the senior executive staff ever bothered to try to use the product uh, or any of the, uh, if they bothered to focus at all on uh, user experience. And again, those companies that do tend to survive, uh, thrive. Those companies that don't uh, tend to go out of business. Thanks for listening to this episode. For selected links and detailed show notes, visit www.contraminds.com slash blog. Follow Contraminds on social media and let us know who you would like to see next on the podcast. If you're listening to Contraminds on Apple Podcasts, do share your comments and give us a rating. We are keen to know what you're thinking. Contraminds is also on YouTube. If you're listening to the podcast on YouTube, hit the subscribe button and stay up to date on all our releases. Thanks for listening and stay safe.